Well, I really enjoy superhero movies, and you've known me long. You've maybe even seen one with me. When the Marvel Avengers movies come out and whatnot, I'm always kind of counting down the days, and then I'm like, well, when they're done, I have to wait another two years for the next one to come out. And so since there's this span between each of them, uh, Katie and I have also found some superhero TV shows. There's a Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. We watched all that. And then we found this other show, which probably none of you have heard of, the Umbrella Academy anyway. Uh, and then we found this other show that's actually called Heroes. The name is called, we just finished that too. So I'm fresh out of all superhero movies and TV shows right now. But there's something intriguing and exciting uh, about, for me, about watching people with these kind of superhuman uh, abilities and they uh, do these crazy things. And it's like, oh man, what would it be like to have something like that, or what would, it, you know, what would that feel like? And sometimes maybe we uh, want one of those powers. Katie and I have this ongoing debate about which one would be the best power to have. And she has a pretty good argument for teleportation, because it's like, look how much time it would save you. Like, wouldn't have to fly, wouldn't have to drive, wouldn't have to visit your parents, not a five-hour drive, Boop, pop in for a day, pop back home, you know, whatever it is, sleep in your own bed, and you know, so lots of things um, there. But where there's a superhero, there's a super villain. And usually the villains... Uh, actually don't have like kind of a whole bunch of superpowers unrelated to the hero. Usually it's like a mirror image of the hero. Like, uh, you know, it would be like an evil Superman or an evil whatever it is. It's kind of like a mirror image. Um, but the big difference between the superhero and supervillain, they both have these powers, uh, but one uses them for the good of other people and the other uses it selfishly to accumulate for themselves, to take over or you know, whatever it is they're trying to do. So one uses them selfishly and one uses them for the good of other people. And when I think about my life, I wouldn't claim that I have any sort of superpowers, but uh, God has certainly given, given me a lot. Um, he's given me experiences and skills um, and training that are unique to me. And he's given me a background and a story that is unique to me of ways he's built into me and shaped me and given me passions and perspectives that are unique to me. And the same is true for each of you. And throughout my life, God has made deposits into it um, that now he wants me to use in certain ways. And the question is, how will we use it? It's kind of like superhero, supervillain. Will I use it for his purposes, for the good of others? Or will I use all the things he's put into me you know, for, to further my agenda or for my glory, or for people to know me or be impressed with me? And we, we, I have this choice. And each of us has been given abilities that are unique to us. Um, we have to ask the question, well, how are we going to use those? Are we going to use them for God's glory, for his kingdom, or are we going to use them for our kingdom and our glory? And we've been in this series on the Holy Spirit. In this second part of the series, uh, we've been focusing on how we can rely on the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives uh, as individuals and as a church. And today we're covering the topic of spiritual gifts. And it's possible some of you don't even know what that is. Some of you maybe have only heard the word. Some of you may have a deep experience with it. But um, just throw out there what comes to mind when you hear the word spiritual gifts? What comes to mind for you? And if it's nothing, you're like, nothing, I don't know anything. That's okay that that comes to mind too. A list. A list. <laughs> kind of like an inventory, like look through this list or you find lists in the Bible or something. Okay? A quiz. A quiz, yeah. There's quizzes <laughs> that can kind of like tell you your spiritual gift or whatever. You take it almost like a personality test. Any other things come to mind? Something God gives us to bring people to His Son. Okay, something God gives us to bring people to His Son. Mm-hmm. It's something apart from us. It's given apart from anything we can do. 
Okay, something given that wouldn't normally have is apart from you. Okay. It's for the benefit of others. For the benefit of others, okay. Anything else come to mind right away? First thing that comes to mind for me is tongues, speaking in tongues. The armor, okay. Yeah, Ephesians 6, armor. Yeah, and like, like I said, uh, <coughs> tongues comes up for me, and I'll come back to that. But I brought up superpowers at the beginning, um, not to say, like, okay, spiritual gifts are superpowers, but it's to uh, look at the similarities and differences between the two, because superpowers are abilities that are possessed by a select few. Not everyone's Superman, not everyone's the Hulk, not everyone is um, Thor, you know, or whatever it is. Um, but spiritual gifts are possessed by everybody who's trusted in Jesus, because everyone who's trusted in Jesus is part of the body of Christ, and there aren't any you know, limbs hanging off of the body of Christ that are just kind of over there in the closet doing nothing. If you're part of the body of Christ, you have a function, you have a gift in it, so it's not just for a select few like pastors or missionaries or something like that. Um, superpowers uh, can be kind of wacky and crazy. I mean, like flying, laser eyes, super strength, uh, being able to see through walls or like do things with your mind. Like it's kind of wacky and crazy stuff, but spiritual gifts um, can sometimes be thought of like, you know, um, none of you said this, but you could have said like, well, that's kind of like you know, crazy, wacky stuff, that weird things that happen. Uh, but often, very often the spiritual gifts are pretty ordinary and you might actually miss them being exercised if you weren't aware that, uh, that's, that they actually exist. Um, and so some of them are pretty extraordinary, but then most of them are pretty ordinary. And, and actually, uh, in one of my experiences, like I said, with spiritual gift, gifts was in a church my mom attended for about three years. My sister and I attended with her. And in our worship services, um, people would speak in tongues in you know, this kind of like language that uh, nobody else could understand. And Paul does say, like, praying to God in tongues. It's kind of like this spiritual language for connecting with God. And, but people would be doing it all over the place in the worship service. And the pastor often at some point would get worked up, and then at some point you'd be speaking in this language, and I'd just be kind of sitting there like, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. I don't get what's going on here. This is a little bit confusing. I don't know what the purpose of this was. And for me, that was kind of a wacky experience where there was a select few people that were doing this thing that I wasn't able to do. And where there's overlap with superpowers is the purpose. Uh, these abilities are, are given to us by the Spirit, and we have a choice about the purpose for which we're going to use them. Are we going to use them selfishly or for loving others? A superhero uses what they've been given for the good of others. A supervillain uses what they've been giving, given for themselves. And there's various viewpoints in the spiritual gifts, and we don't have time to cover them all uh, for this evening. And I'm going to teach from my perspective on them, um, which is that the Spirit is still giving these gifts today, and he's still using them today. And there's other perspectives that are equally valid in our denomination. Uh, we don't take a hard stance on it. But I'm going to teach from my perspective. Um, and our theme verse for this evening is 1 Corinthians 14.1, which we'll get to eventually. And the big idea from that verse is this. Pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. Here, I'll put it on here. Pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. I hit buttons over here, but it didn't do anything. More buttons. Axel? Yeah, there we go. Yes, you did it. So, pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. 
pursue building up others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. Pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. Uh, and as we get to 1 Corinthians 14.1, which is a theme verse um, for this, we're going to go on this journey through three different passages in spiritual gifts to get there. And all the passages uh, on spiritual gifts, there's two kind of big themes that emerge. Um, where do they come from and what are they for? So where do they come from? Uh, they're God's gracious gifts. Um, God and grace and gift are showing up in all the passages on spiritual gifts. They come from God. He's the source. And he uses the Spirit to give them to us. It's like the Father uses the Spirit to put these gifts in us. Uh, and he is, gives them as he chooses. They aren't for a few select spiritual people. They aren't for the people that have a bunch of faith or have been really good or you know, like praying a lot uh, and are doing all the right stuff. It's not like, okay, you've earned it now, but he gives them as he chooses. Which one you get, um, how much of it you get, he's the one who chooses it. And they're not given to a select few and that's why they're gracious gifts. Grace means they're unearned, undeserved. They're gracious gifts given to us um, from, uh, from God um, by the Spirit. And then what are they for? What is their purpose? They're given for the purpose of building others up in love. Uh, they are a gift to an individual. And that gift isn't like, okay, sweet, here's like my thing to make me look great. It's actually really the gift given to you is a gift to everybody else around you. It's that it's supposed to be used to build others up in love around you. And building them toward what, you might ask? Well, being toward being more like Jesus. The goal of the building is so that others will become more mature children of God, more and more like Jesus, and so be more and more Christ-like. And the spiritual gifts, um, Jesus is our king, and the gifts are Christ-centered because the kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is centers on the king. They're Christ-centered and they're kingdom-focused. They're building us towards trusting in Jesus more, being more like him. And at the same time, it's, a, it's showing Jesus' kingdom is real. It's really here in this group of people who have this spirit in them. And may, if you want a definition of like, okay, you said spirit, word spiritual gift a lot. Um, here's a, de- a definition for you. It's grace you've been given that others need. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could define it, but it's grace you've been given that others need. It could be physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. Grace you've been given that others need. And God, I've said before, God's people are God's delivery system for his love, for his care, for his guidance. And God puts gifts in us so he can deliver his love uh, to us through other people. And um, you could also think of them as spirit-empowered abilities for loving others is that we need to learn to love people and God's restoring us to this loving image of Christ and there's these abilities we're given for loving other people. It's not, okay, here's me to look great, but it's these spirit-empowered abilities for loving others or a grace you've been given that others need. And the first passage we're going to look at um, as we pursue our big idea is Romans 12, uh, verses 3 through 8. And if you're using the Black Bibles here, it's on page 948. We're going to breeze over several passages quickly um, because they all, it's just neat to see how all of them uh, say these these two big themes. Where do they come from? What are they for? And you see them in each of these. So Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Let's read that together. Or I'll read it. You'll listen. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And Paul, you see Paul, he's saying, by the grace given to me, so verse 1, he's saying, I've been given a gracious gift by God through the Spirit, and now by that the grace given to me, I'm now going to speak to you and help build you up in love so that you're able to now use your gifts appropriately. And he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And the temptation is when we're like, hey, here's this way that God uh, has given me this talent or this skill or this ability. Um, And other people seem to really like it and appreciate it. And it's like, now I'm going to think highly of myself um, and the temptation is to think, like, I'm kind of higher than other people, and I'm here for the benefit of you all, and you have nothing to offer me. And he's like, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. And then he says, why? Because you're all part of this body. You're part of this body system, and, you know, if you're a hand or a shoulder or a foot, you can't say to the other part of the body, like, you know, I don't need you um, because a shoulder isn't much um, without a stomach because there's no nutrients going to it. I had a professor in seminary who was like, no, I'm just talking about spiritual gifts. And I suppose I'm kind of like the stomach because I help the church digest the word of God <laughs> because he's you know, a teacher in seminary. But anyway, it's like all these parts need each other. And the temptation is to think, you know what, I don't need other people um, if you feel like you have this really spectacular gift. Or if somebody's like, I don't feel like I have much. Uh, I don't, this, everybody else is more talented than me. And so like, I just kind of let other people do it or like they're better than me. It's like, no, think of yourself properly. Like Each of you are in this system where you're each valued and needed. And this body metaphor um, we'll get to even more later. But we're one body in Christ. Jesus is our head, who uh, is our authority, who gives us life. And then we're each his body here on earth. One body in Christ, different parts, different functions. And it's God's choice of who gets what. And everyone has one. If you're part of the body... You have a function within the body. As soon as you trust in Christ, you're part of that body. And this all connects in, as you can see, to a big idea we're looking at, a pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. We're part of this body. You need to pursue building others up. How? Through the Spirit's gracious gifts it has given us. There's a couple lists of spiritual gifts. Emma uh, mentioned that she thinks of lists. Um, And I don't think any of these were meant to be these are all the gifts possible, uh, which is pretty clear because you look at the gifts and you're like, oh, they're each different. <laughs> this one has more than that one. This one has less than that one. Or there's some overlap, but it's like there's different. And they serve as examples of like, these are the kinds of ways that the Spirit might, might uh, equip you for loving others. Uh, but it's interesting, the Apostle Peter, the passage we read earlier, 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11, we're just going to summarize this so you don't have to flip there. He puts them into two main categories. And the two main categories he puts them into uh, are speaking gifts and serving gifts. And before we get there, uh, we hear the same themes in 1 Peter 4 that we heard in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. These are gracious gifts. They're assigned by God. 
They're given to us to serve and love others, and by doing that, we glorify God. But Peter breaks them into two categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. There's like word gifts, talking, speaking, and there's deed gifts, doing stuff, serving physically in those ways. And some of us have been given gifts for building others up in love through our words. And in Romans 12, Paul named a couple of those, a couple examples. He said prophecy, we'll get to a definition of that later, teaching, exhortation, leading. These are like speaking gifts. Leading could be physical serving as well, but uh, speaking gifts, Paul gives, gave us some examples. And then uh, some of us have been given gifts for building others up in love through serving, through our deeds. In Romans 12, Paul named serving as this example uh, of kind of like a broad category, but then he also named um, contributing with generosity, which uh, there is often these um, contributions called for in the early church when it's like, hey, we hear that the church up in Jerusalem uh, is running out of food. And so everyone's like, let's take a contribution together of money or food or whatever. And let's get them food. And he says, those who contribute like that with generosity. Some of us have been given money resources that we say, yeah, I want to do, I just want to give this away. And I feel excited about that. God used me in that. And he says, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Acts of mercy is like having compassion on people who are in, in tough situations or on each other when we fall into hard times of uh, losing a job or losing um, our house or something like that. These acts of mercy where we help other people out of compassion and, and with cheerfulness. And Peter says that whatever gift we've been given, we're to steward them for God's purposes. And think about the gifts like, okay, I'm in the kingdom of God, and this gift is like my post in that kingdom. You know, think about like a castle. And it's like, hey, your post is to guard this gate. Your post is to open the gate not very creative in my post in the kingdom. But you get the, you get the point of like, if you're in a castle, it's like, hey, you're posted up here, and you have various jobs in this kingdom. And it's like, my gift is my post, my assignment from God for what he wants me to do in the kingdom. And it's like, um, there's going to be other things I'm going to be asked to do, but like, this is the thing he's equipped me for and given me power to do. And he wants you to love others in his kingdom in a specific way. And he's equipped you and empowered you for that. And Peter reinforces our big idea. Pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. And the longest passage in the Bible on spiritual gifts is found in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. So we're actually going to flip to that one. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's on page 959. I just wish we could read. There's two chapters on it, and I wish we could just read through the whole thing um, because it's great. <coughs> we'll have to summarize some parts uh, as we go. So it's page 959 if you're using the Black Bibles. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start in verses 1 through 3. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And the word spiritual gifts here, it's actually, uh, gifts isn't in the original language. It's just like, and now as for spirituals or spiritual things, like you guys have spiritual stuff happening among you, Spirit is doing stuff, let me now talk about um, what he's doing among you. And he's like, I don't want you to be uninformed. Before you were in this other religion, uh, and you were, he calls them pagans, which is not... Sometimes it's used as a derogatory term, but people actually say, like, oh, I follow, I've talked to people and 
someone in Woodstock who said, like, oh, I follow paganism. So it's like people self-identify as that, but they're pagan uh, religion. And he says, you were led astray to mute idols. Now, if somebody's mute, uh, they don't speak, right? And I think there's a contrast here saying there was a lot of kind of like people talking and babbling in the pagan worship services, um, but it's there's this contrast of like, okay, they're maybe talking in your service, and by the way, those little statues you like worship as your gods, those idols, uh, they're mute, they're not going to talk, but now you worship a God who actually is going to speak to you, and you can expect him to speak to you, expect him to be talking through you, and when he talks in your worship gatherings, no one is ever going to say any, if somebody's led by the Spirit, they're not going to say, Jesus is accursed, or Jesus you know, is a cursed man. No one's ever going to be led away from Jesus by the Spirit, but the, only by the Spirit are we able to say, Jesus is my Lord, and that doesn't mean you know, just in kind of like the words, but it's like, I want to surrender him. I really see him as my king. I'm in his kingdom. I want to trust him, obey him, and surrender my life to him. And basically saying, you no longer worship a mute God, and here's what you can expect from the Spirit to do in your lives is to bring people more and more to say, Jesus is Lord of my life, to surrender more and more of life to him. And then Paul gives a summary of where the gifts come from and what they're for. So look with me at verses 4 to 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And so, in summary, God empowers the gifts by the Spirit in us so we can serve Jesus as our Lord. And no one is left out. Verse 7 says, God gives a gift by the Spirit in the service of Jesus and his kingdom to everyone. Everyone gets a gift and it's given for the common good. They're given for the advantage of others. Whatever gift God has given you is not for you, but for the good of those around you, the people sitting next to you this evening. And then Paul lists some examples in verses 8 through 11 of some possible gifts he may be given. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, proportions to each one individually, as he wills. And we're not going to go into, we're trying to get a broad overview, we're not going to go into defining each of those. Um, at, towards the end, we'll talk a bit about how could you discover what is the gift that God's given me. Um, but whatever it is, a speaking gift, or a serving gift, Paul makes pretty clear it's the same spirit who empowers them all and is the one who chooses who is going to get what. I didn't get whatever I got, you didn't get whatever you got because you were more spiritual or better or you know, some sort of super Christian, but the spirit's the one who chooses who apportions it, it's the spirit who uh, gives them to us. And so that means if it's the same spirit, we shouldn't fight over who's better. It's like, no, the spirit is linking us all together as this body um, to be serving one another. They're gifts of grace. And next, Paul uses the image of a body and the many parts of it as a metaphor for how we should think of these gifts uh, and how we should think of them in relation to others. And so look at verses 12 and 13, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. 
For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It doesn't matter who you are, your background, your past, your mistakes, your failures. If you surrender your life to Jesus, you have been given a gift to function in the body of Christ uh, in a special, specific way to love other people around you. In the rest of this chapter, Paul is going to expand on this uh, body metaphor, this image of the body with many parts. And some gifts, he says, I mean, are more noticeable, more public. Um, people are kind of more showy, or maybe people just see them more. Um, maybe perhaps, like me sitting up here, you may be like, oh, okay, like we all see his gift. And so, so somebody that is maybe upfront speaking or who has a, a serving gift that a lot of people notice, people like that may, may feel like, okay, well, I'm kind of hot stuff around here, and like all you people are here, and isn't that, it, aren't you just so happy I'm here for you, and become kind of prideful. Like, I don't really need the other gifts, you all need me. And he says, so those people, he's like, no, no, you need the other parts. It's like, you know, a hand is pretty cool. You can do lots of stuff with my hand. You can be like elbow, kind of lame. You just hit your funny bone. It uh, <laughs> doesn't do much. Um, but a hand without an elbow or without a shoulder can't really do much. And so it's like, okay, a hand might be a little more showy. Um, and can you feel like, yeah, that gets noticed a lot more than an elbow gets noticed. But it's like, but the hand shouldn't become prideful and be like, you know what, you guys all need me. And good thing I'm here for you. But it's like, no, I need all of you. Know, the hand needs everything else um, as well. And then on the other side, the less noticeable, less public parts of the body may begin to think more highly of others than they should uh, and less of themselves than they should. Of like, oh, you know, other people, you know, they're just, they just have more talent. God's just given them more um, and they're better than me and I'm just here and I need them. And um, no, it's kind of like both need to recognize I'm, I have a valuable contribution to this community of believers, and every other person has a valuable contribution um, as well. And I need everybody else, and we all need to function together because me separate by myself can't do it. Them separate by myself can't do it. And both sides need to recognize they need each other. And that's Paul's point. We're all <coughs> integrally connected. And uh, one part needs every other part to do its job. And this is... Uh, interestingly, um, those of you who are here in our WhatsApp group know I wasn't able to preach last week because of an injury, and I was just thinking about like how that injury, like I pulled a muscle here, um, but it's not like, okay, you know, you're out of the game, shoulder, um, but everybody else is functioning. It was like, you no, know, my arm was like aching, and my chest was tight, my back hurt, and I was, it was affecting my lungs, I was like, having shortness of breath and feeling nauseous and dizzy, and it's like that one little part affected all the others. And so if one part of us is suffering, it affects all the other parts of the functioning of all the rest of us. And sometimes we have an injured part of the body um, in our community that needs healing and needs rest, and the rest of us have to help out there. And we should feel like, you know, oh, you know, so-and-so is hurt and, you know, just shove them off the side because the rest of us have a job. It's like, no, we can't function without one part um, that's injured. And now we're going to read chapter 13. And I want to read it because you know, this is First uh, Corinthians 13. Read at weddings, you know, great, Paul's great love chapter. But I want to hear you to hear it now in the context of spiritual gifts because that's where Paul writes us. And so let's just read um, chapter 13 of First Corinthians. I'll point out, if I speak in the tongues of men, okay, tongues, spiritual gift, and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. 
And if I have prophetic powers, prophecy, we already heard that one. And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Understanding and knowledge, those are spiritual gifts. And if I have all faith, spiritual gift. So as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, we talked about generosity and contributing, um, serving. If I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And so he's naming off spiritual gifts. If you have the spiritual gift, but you don't have love, it's just nothing. And then he tells us, this is what it looks like when your spiritual gifts are in operation in the body of Christ in a proper way. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It's not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And here we hear, here's a couple more spiritual gifts. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. As a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So Paul, uh, love is this defining attitude and purpose of the gifts. And the gifts, they're going to pass away. Right now, Jesus' kingdom is already here, but it's not yet here in full. And that's what the different interpretation of what the perfect means. But I think that means when uh, Jesus' purposes have reached their end, when the kingdom comes in full, when Jesus returns, his kingdom is fully present. We're no longer going to need these gifts that are this partial uh, making visible of the kingdom, this partial manifestation of the kingdom's presence. We're not going to need that, but love is going to stay. The gifts are a temporary aspect, but love is not. And when Jesus returns and we see him face to face, the gifts won't be necessary, but love will remain. So now we come to our theme verse for today. These last five verses are the last we're going to read. Verse chapter 14, pursue love. This is chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. And so Paul, what he core uh, exhortation he gives them is pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And so I put those together as pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. This is why they're given to you and you want the gifts because this is like God's equipping and empowering for you to love people um, in this body in a special, unique way that other parts of the body, well, maybe there's two hands like, whoa, whoa, other hand, you know, it's treading my territory. Two hands are loving in the same way, but maybe not, left and right. But then, you know, there's only one other part of, I guess there's one heart, but I guess none of us would be the heart. I don't know. Anyway, but you you may very well be the only person in this body who has the gift of whatever um, for this body to function properly. And Paul says we need to pursue those gifts and build each other up in love through them. And what is prophecy? He says especially prophesying. 
And this isn't like the Old Testament prophets, the authoritative, thus says the Lord, like, this is what's going to happen, this is what you have to do, and this is what God says. And if you disobey, you're disobeying God himself. Um, it's not the word of God like the Old Testament. And so every time somebody says, like, I have a prophecy, and then we say, oh, you know, we better put that down in the back of the Bible as, like, equal to the Bible's authority. Um, but this is, uh, I think, you see later in the chapter, it seems like um, it's God granting information to somebody um, that is specific information about another person's life that they haven't told them and that they wouldn't have known otherwise. And then the ability to then, okay, based on what I now know, um, I can speak into your situation. Paul says it's for upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Um, and we see it happen in the book of Acts. Uh, there's a prophet that comes to Apostle Paul. He's like, Paul, uh, you're going to go up to Jerusalem and it's going to be bad for you. You're going to suffer. You're going to get beaten up. And then he's, and then that's kind of like the, the information God gives him that's specific about Paul's life that Paul didn't tell him. And then he goes on to say, everyone's saying, don't go, don't go up there. Um, but that wasn't the word from God. That wasn't the prophecy from God. It was, hey, Paul, this is what's going to happen. And then their counsel to him was, don't go. And he's like, no, I have to go. That's the thing I'm going to do. So Paul wasn't disobeying God by going up and having that suffering happen to him. But some people are speaking into his life, and now they could pray for him, they could console him, they can encourage him. They're trying to tell him not to go, but um, it's, a, it's a thing that's, you know, imagine a community. Paul's like, man, this would be amazing if everybody was listening to the Spirit, had this gift where it's like, um, I, you, you're like, man, this person's going through a hard time, and it's financial, and then it's like, let me, let me encourage you in the specific way you need to hear right now. It's kind of like, you know, Spirit gives us the, like, uh, the diagnosis of like what's happening in this person's life, and then we can apply the word of God. And Paul says that all needs to be tested. It's not this thing that it's like, okay, God told me this, and now you have to obey it, you know, straight hand. He says all that needs to be tested because it can be misinterpreted and stuff. But Paul's like, man, this would be amazing if we're all able to speak into each other's life in such a specific way for the exact thing we need at that exact time. So our big idea, pursue building others up in love through the Spirit's gracious gifts. And I want to give us four practices for pursuing loving others, Spirit's gifts. And they're these four things. Get close, pray, do stuff, affirm. Get close, pray, do stuff, affirm. These are four practices for pursuing loving others through the Spirit's gifts. Get close, pray, do stuff, and affirm. So the first thing that we need to do is get close to one another. You know, if we're not close in community, we don't have opportunities to use our gifts in other people's lives, and we can't discover our gifts that we have for building others up because you know, we're just living as individuals and not part of this body of Christ. You know, the foot or the knee or the whatever is trying to live on its own, but you need to plug yourself into the body. You can't. We can't live the Christian life apart from community. Um, and we can't be a body part apart from the rest of the body. And we can be tempted to be like, you know, I'm not going to get too close to people in church. I'm going to live uh, isolated. And we, don't, we can tend to not let people into our needs and try to live the Christian life alone. But if we want to find our, discover what the Spirit has given us to love others, we need to get close to people. Second, we need to pray. We need to ask God. Paul says, you know, per, you earnestly desire these things. And what do you do when you desire something? You pray. You ask God for it. So ask God to equip and empower you to love others. Ask God to equip and empower you to love others. 
or to see, God, what have you put in me that is my unique way that you want me to love other people around me? And it's easy for us to get into a consumer mindset of, uh, you know, what's in it for me when you show up uh, uh, church service on a Sunday or come to a gospel community meeting or come to whatever. Like, what's in it for me? Like, what can these people do for me? Um, and I would say that's not the character of our community. Um, but the opposite of what we should be asking is ask God to make us better and more skilled at loving others. Or God, would you show me the passions or the skills that you put in me that are unique to me? And would you sharpen those and hone those so I can use them to love others better? Thirdly, we need to do stuff. So we get close, we pray, we do stuff to love others. And Brian mentioned quizzes come to mind when he thinks of spiritual gifts. And there's a variety of spiritual gifts tests where you kind of go online or I guess on paper, whatever it is, you answer all these questions about yourself. And then at the end, it's like, okay, based on what you said, these are your spiritual gifts. Um, and I, don't, I wouldn't say that those are like bad. I think they aren't the most effective way to discover our spiritual gifts. Um, because what is it? Like these are gifts that are a part of a body. And so I, the best way to discover it is being part of the body and having other people tell you, hey, this is what I see in you. This is how I see God using you. Rather than I'm going to go sit by my computer by myself as an individual and think about, you know, and we so easily skew those things. So like this is the kind of person I want to be. And so we answer questions based on like, ooh, I want this spiritual gift because I see that as like, you know, the really impressive one. This is the one I want. So we answer the questions a little more positive in that favor. And well, what do you know? It comes out that we have it. Or you might go into being like, I don't really know myself very well. And the best way is to get close to other people um, and just start doing stuff. And I don't know, probably about half of you are going to know what this even means. Who, who knows what a spirograph is? <laughs> Yeah, like half. I don't know. I've been very disappointed that people don't know what a spirograph is. Um, I tried to acquire one. Apparently, they're like an antique, too. Um, but it's like, I'm going to try to describe it. It's like this plastic thing, and there's like a gear. Okay, Matt. Oh, jeez. This is, this is going to fail horribly. Um, there's like a round. Okay, imagine like a round thing, and there's like little gears around this round thing. And then you have this other plastic thing that you put in there that's also a gear, and you put like your pencil in a hole, and as you spin it around the gear, the pencil like moves, and it makes this really cool design. It's oh. kind of like ringing a bell, spire. Okay, <laughs> Bob, Jean, anything coming? Okay, you guys got. Or did you raise your hands? Maybe I missed it. But anyway, okay. You're putting, you're going around. It's making this design. But if you just sat there with the pencil and were like, "What design does this have?" You would never discover it. And so for us. The way we discover our spiritual gifts, that like unique design is like you got to get on the move and start doing stuff, start loving people, start serving people, and find out like, oh, this is the skill, this is what I'm passionate about, this is where people are like, man, you just like, I just feel so much love, I feel blessed by God, I feel God using you when you do this, and it's like the more you do stuff, the more you find that unique design. I wish I had one. It'd be sweet if I just made a giant one. But anyway, maybe someday. I'll ask Larry. He built this. Um, so, it's what has God given you that others need? This is Jesus' kingdom assignment for you. And so it's for you to steward and use and to glorify Jesus. And it's something to be excited about. As I was thinking about this topic, it's like, this is so exciting that it's not like this whole church thing is up to me. 
it's like I'm just one part in this whole body and it's all up to us. Like for us to be in a loving community that shows people and tells people what Jesus is like, it's all of us and it's a group effort. I'm just one part of the body and I'm not the head. Jesus is the head of it. So we're all in submission to him, getting our life from him, directed from him and I'm just, I don't know if I'm the stomach or what I am, maybe like my professor. But um, And your spiritual gift, you know, it, it really isn't for you. It's God's gift to other people, and you're the package it comes in. It's like, it's not, oh, I just love this thing, and yes, everyone loves me because of it. It's like, no, it's God's gift for you to love other people around you. And it's like, and when we love others well, the Bible tells us there's joy for us. And so the fourth practice is affirm. Get close, pray, do stuff, affirm. Affirm others. And you see this in Second Timothy 1. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes to uh, this young guy that he mentored to be a pastor, and then he tells him, remember the gift that was given to you. Like People recognize this gift given to Timothy, and then he's like, fan that into flame. And spiritual gifts, um, the spirit in our life, can kind of be stifled. Can kind of, and that, It might be a gift sitting in you or sitting in other people. It needs to be fanned into flame. And one of the ways that gets fanned is like, man, I see you doing this. Like, I see Jesus when you do this thing. I feel blessed when you do this. And we fan that gift into flame in other people. And we express to people how big of a, how much of a gift they are to us. Like, man, you are, uh, you're a gift to me. Like, God has given this to you, and it really blesses me. And spiritual gifts are not an excuse for us to say, oh, that's not my gift. So let's let the person who's gifted in that do it. Uh, but we're, most of the gifts, I, almost all of them, are commanded for every Christian to do. You know, contribute generously, um, serve people, speak words of encouragement. Like, those are like general commands. But then God gives to some of us um, a gift where it's like, that's where he really uses us. And so, um, two examples of my life, but I'll only share one. Um, so evangelism is that way for me. Um, is that, I was just mentioning Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, he's a pastor um, in the town of Ephesus, and he's like, do the work of an evangelist. And I think he tells him that because it's like, okay, your main goal is like shepherding these people. And he doesn't say like, remember you're gifted in evangelism. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Like what, what an evangelist would do. And for me, like in general, uh, I find that people who aren't believers like me. And they want to be friends with me. They don't mind hanging out with me. They don't mind talking about spiritual things with me. And so I'm doing the work of an evangelist of like trying to introduce people to Jesus. But I have not found a lot of people place their faith in Christ for the first time through me sharing about Jesus with them. And then other people are like, I don't know, it feels like every time they go into a cell phone shop, they're like, people are getting into these conversations with, I have a friend, some of you met him, Justin. Um, Justin, he was, he told me when we first met, he's like, yeah, I feel like I have a gift of evangelism. He's like talking about how he's getting his phone battery repaired or something. And it's like, somehow he gets in a conversation with someone and all of a sudden everyone in the phone, cell phone shop is listening and then people you know are just and it's like that doesn't happen to me <laughs> people like talking to me but it's not like i just see people like yeah i need jesus and they just start repenting and believing um but it doesn't mean i don't do that thing of trying to share jesus with people um and ephesians 4 actually tells me my job is which is the last gift passage that we're not going to go to my job is actually as your pastors to help you fit into find and fit into your place in the body of christ so that then the body can build itself up in love until we're mature in Christ. And so I'm going to end with this worksheet as 
We're not going to do this now, but this is your homework. It's somewhere around here. Ah! So it says, what's my spiritual gift? It's for you to do. Um, and actually take, I think I have enough for you to take, well, maybe I don't. Take one. <laughs> I guess. Or two if you're Or, yes, if you have someone that's usually with you here and isn't here, take one for them. But what I want you to do is... Uh, Consider these questions so I think you can find, discover your spiritual gift. And there's some of this is individual, but there's a huge community component. And it's where's the overlap of your skills, passions, and affirmations that others are giving you? Um, and so go, I won't read through this, but think through those skills questions. Take some reflection and answer that. What are you passionate about? Think through and answer that. And then affirmations. What do others thank me for? When do others feel blessed by me? Answer that. Um, and then this last part, which is there a stack left that I think there's not multiple? Um, well, okay, so the last part is ask three people who aren't your spouse but are a part of this church or your local church that you're a part of these questions um, because we've di- it's, spiritual gifts are best discovered in community where other people are seeing um, these things about you. What do you see in me? What words would you use to describe the kind of person I am? What do you see me getting excited about? When have I felt like a blessing to your life? What ways do I bless our church family? Um, And then you can go back through, if you want, through the lists that we went over. I listed the passages at the bottom. Is is there, based on what people said about you and what you've written about yourself, does one of these fit? Is one of these words in this list a description um, of that? And if you don't feel like people here, if you're like, who are the three people in this church I would give this to who aren't my spouse? or my kids, or my grandpa, or something like that. I mean, if you're like, man, I don't feel like I know people well enough here. People don't know me well enough. Um, then go back to what we talked about. Get closer to people. And maybe take a risk if you're like, ah, I don't know what people would think about me. Nobody thinks anything good about me. I think you'd be very surprised if you've been part of these worship gatherings um, and part of our times that are gospel community, um, that you would be surprised of what people actually know about you. But if you feel like people don't know me well enough, um, maybe your next step is... Be more consistent at worship gatherings. Like, you know, I've been sporadic. I don't feel like people know me well. Be more consistent. Or join our gospel community times um, that are on, well, they kind of alternate Fridays or Saturdays right now. Um, just find yourself there. As we close, I want to bring us back to our this purpose we've said, of what the Spirit's purpose is in our life. He's, his desire is to make us sons and daughters inside and out. And this is... The Spirit doing this is, like, that won't happen unless you're in a community, unless you're in the body of Christ. If you're off by yourself, you'll never become fully mature because you need other parts of the body to be building you up towards becoming this fully mature son or daughter uh, of God your Father, uh, becoming more and more like Jesus. And so it's a community project. Discipleship is a, a, a community project. And we're given gifts or maybe multiple gifts um, to use in other people's lives sitting next to us um, in the body of Christ for building up to be more like Jesus. Um, and as we saw in John 13 earlier this year, the world will know we're Jesus' disciples by our love for one another. And for each of us, it's like, what has God put in me um, through the Spirit um, that is my kind of special way of loving other people that are, people just feel like, man, God really used me, you in my life when you did this thing. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, your grace 
uh, saves us from something and saves us for something. You save us and give us great purpose. You give us a high calling um, that you want to use us and other people's lives, and that's a humbling thing. And so would you make us humble? um, Would you grant us love uh, that is the same kind of love described in 1 Corinthians 13? Would you let us uh, serve one another uh, for your glory? Your son's name we pray. Amen.